Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, JC. Howdy. We have, and people don't see our whole table, JC. I sit here and there's a, a Springfield pistol on our on our table. But we shouldn't put that in the camera because then we'd definitely be kicked off. But there you have it. We are we are always a member of the militia. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Richard Henry Lee said in uh, order to preserve liberty, the whole body of the people must always be armed. And that's where we are. Welcome to everybody in the chat room. What do we got going on? I love the fact, JC, that this this thing that we got just um, gives us everybody. I don't have to keep switching back between Facebook and and uh, YouTube. And, and now we have Twitch in here. Dale says he's been notified two days in a row. We're maybe we're we're crossing the threshold here. We're outliving the AI. I think it's actually the fact that people are beginning to share. You know, mm. I mean, seriously, share, 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 share breaks the bondage of our uh, algorithm censorships. So here's our first twitch of the day, dear. From J.J. Jackson, hey, K-A-H-N-J-C. I'm glad that people are beginning to realize that you're J.C. and not J.D. <laughs> yeah. That's my fault because my YouTube channel says Chris Ann Hall, J.D., meaning Juris Doctor. I'm not sure that's on there anymore. It's not on there anymore. I don't remember if I took it down or not. But anyway, welcome, everybody. I have a First Amendment issue. Well, First Amendment issue. Shame on me. I have a freedom of speech issue all the way from France, JC, with a little bit of humor in it for you. Did you uh, hear that the Muslim countries, <laughs> mm -hmm. the Muslim countries are boycotting French made goods because the prime minister of France has said that he will support the uh, president, sorry, president of France, Emmanuel Macron. Is that how you say that? I mean, you can do it, the French thing. You study <laughs> no, the French thanks. thing. That's Macron. <laughs> Macron. <laughs> Macron. <laughs> so, so the Muslim world is has the call to boycott French goods in protest after President Emmanuel Macron publicly defended cartoons of the prophet Muhammad which are considered blasphemous in Islam. And the Islamic countries responded with a protest of, are you ready? Cartoons. Oh, I forgot to share. Oh, man, that was my whole, <laughs> my whole moment, my boom moment. Cartoons of the president of France. Mm. Do you see the irony of that, right? So you cannot buy French goods. You have to threaten to, you have to chop off people's heads. You have to threaten to kill people if they make a cartoon of the prophet Muhammad, but you respond to in that protest of a cartoon of the president with footprints on his head. French are so creative. No, no, no. Those are the, that's the Muslim countries. <clears throat> those are not the Muslims in France. I thought that's in France. No, 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 no. This is oh, all over. This is Kuwait. 
This is all over the place. So just so I can connect the dots for you. Um, freedom of speech is not an American principle. Freedom of speech is a principle of human rights. It's a principle that is tied to the securing of life, liberty, and property. And if you want to have a freedom of speech to create a cartoon where the president of France has a French-style nose and footprints on his forehead, then you must also support the cartoon drawings of Muhammad. Now, here's the interesting thing, JC, because I scoured the internet for these Muhammad cartoons. I must have spent a good, and I'm a, I am a very good researcher, JC. You know me. I can find a needle in a haystack in a very short period of time on the internet. I must have spent at least 25 minutes looking for these cartoons. They are nowhere to be found. Hmm. So the media, the, the, the American media, will not post these cartoons of Muhammad that are so offensive. But you guarantee if there was some kind of, well, when the guy made the, the crucifix in the jar of urine, it was all over the papers, mm -hmm. right? You make some kind of, of remark about, uh, about uh, uh, Christ or some caricature of a pastor or something like that. It is all over the Internet, but I could not find, could not find. There's another one. A picture with a boot print on his face. <laughs> right? Seriously, guys. Yeah. It's it's either freedom of 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 speech and freedom of press, or it's not. Hmm. So there you have it. But a Kuwait non-governmental chair of hypermarkets said that over 50 of its outlets plan to boycott French products. It was, uh, what was that, Charlie Hedbo? Wasn't this the thing that, reason Charlie Hedbo was bombed back then? Yep. Yep, that's it. We will not tolerate your cartoons. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's quite how that went, but. Yeah. But that's that's the, the funny story for today. Uh, there's There's a, a viral thing going on. It's it's a viral search, and it's about whether people can change their vote. And since I wanted to talk about voting today, uh, uh, half of what we're doing today is about voting today and about something that Brett Kavanaugh said and about the elections that are coming up. And I also wanted to talk about the election questions, cases that are going to be coming before the Supreme Court, that sort of thing. Not specifically the cases, right? But uh, but the uh, specific issues, right? These things were going to be mm -hmm. um, coming up. I thought this would be good to talk about as well. So we have now Google search spikes for the term, can I change my vote? Now, where this comes from, allegedly, JC, is that Donald Trump tweeted out this. 
strongly trending Google since my since immediately after the second debate is can I change my vote? Trump says this refers to changing it to me. The answer in most states is yes. Go do it. Most important election of your life. Now, what they're saying is, is that you got this. Look at it. Do we need more confusion in all of this? <laughs> I was. Yeah. It's funny. I was actually wondering, not wondering that question, but wondering about that phenomenon of, of people um, thinking about this because because of so much the, the huge push for the early vote, voting and the mail in ballots mm -hmm. because the American electorate is so traditionally fickle and you always have the so-called October surprise and, and all just, just the fact that there is a term called October surprise <laughs> tells you how idiotic the American electorate is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Something happened in October. Like you have, you are so devoid of principles upon which you base your decisions that some sort of tabloid event three weeks before an election <laughs> causes you to shift allegiances. I mean, you have two diametrically opposed worldviews here. Yeah. And what, what, because you saw a debate? <laughs> There was a debate, so you you learn. Uh, I, I'm speechless. Uh, Americans <laughs> are so freaking stupid not that general, because not of debate debate number two dropped some massive revelation that you did not know about Joe Biden or Donald Trump. If, if you are so, I I tell you honestly. So here's what we need. Right. Because big social tracks, everything. And, you know, this we need uh, to get the IP addresses of everyone who who searched that. Can I change my vote? And then you track them freaking down and round them up and interrogate them. <laughs> Was this a curiosity about the conversation or are you actually considering based on something you saw in debate number two? Jay, well, uh, you know, Joe said this, Trump said this, I want to change my vote. Okay. Your voting rights are revoked. You can no longer vote. You're too stupid to vote. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's what should happen. Well, what's crazy is that many states, um, uh, there are several states that actually do allow you to change your early vote, right? Most states do not allow change or, or allow voters to change their early votes. There are some that do. Here we go. <laughs> As if New York needs more problems. In New York, if you've submitted an absentee ballot but change your mind, you can show up to your polling place during early voting or on election day and cast a vote in which the absentee ballot is set aside and not counted. Oh, Lord. <laughs> in Michigan, voters who have sent a ballot can submit a written and signed request to their voting clerk by 5 p.m. on October 30th. Requesting to have their ballot nullified. Minnesotans, Minnesotans, who mailed in an absentee ballot 
had until October 20th to request a new ballot from their county or their election office. In New Hampshire, voters who submitted an absentee ballot can go to the polls on election day during the first hour they're open, vote in person, or before their absentee ballot is processed. Yeah. In Wisconsin, if time allows, a voter can cancel their original absentee ballot and request a new one, but they have until October 29th, the legal deadline for requesting absentee ballots by mail. Yeah. Please. Please. Everybody do this. Every, just just do it. Just everybody. I mean, I, I, clearly, you, certainly you can have, you know, an epiphany, a conversion. I mean, but honestly, is that what we're talking about? This is not what we're talking about. Because this is every freaking election cycle. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable. We, I, we, we, you know, and I, and I, maybe I'm going to be called Jim Crow or something. <laughs> uh, but could we get a test or something? An MRI scan of your cranium? You know, I'm like, okay, they they actually have a brain, um, you know, so you can start the process of applying for your voting privileges. Right. Dear God, help us. A civics test. J.J. Jackson says we need a civics test. The problem with the civics test, J.J. Jackson, is what they're actually teaching in civics. We are where we are today because of what we teach. Mm. So, right, I'm just, it's, well, and for me, you know, I have to sort of shake off the initial urge that J.C. has to, you know, talk about the idiots, my initial, I have to shake that off and just, you know, I want to be the educator and I want people to understand that um, we have to be, uh, we have to see this as an educational tool, but we also need to see this as a response to an uneducated, of, of an uneducated electorate we need to make sure that what we're doing is reaching people. But at the same time, we also have to recognize the confusion that is going to come from this new revelation that if you don't like your vote, you can go change it. I love it. I mean, you've got the confusion of the ballots. Do it. Mail-in ballots. You've got the confusion of people. Well, we told you yesterday. You got the drive-through ballots where the the in Texas they had the stacks of driver's license where they were just using stacks of driver's licenses uh, as they were coming through the whole thing, right? So yeah. now we have we have this issue where people are going to be showing up on election day saying I voted, but I want to change my vote. And just because this has gone out everywhere, JC, what's going to be amazing is how many people will show up in a state without even researching. How many of these people at the polling place are going to actually even know the law and how much, more confusion is this going to add to everything else that we're doing? Yeah. So um, I have, uh, I wanted to talk about the issues with uh, 
the Supreme Court handling these election questions. And on CNN, Kavanaugh Monday night gave a a um, indication on uh, at least a little bit of an education on what this is all about. So I wanted to show you what Kavanaugh says here. And he says on Monday night uh, that under the U.S. Constitution, the state courts do not have a blank check to rewrite state election laws for federal elections. Uh, He says uh, that he wrote in his last opinion, the one where they were talking about the Wisconsin ballots. We want to avoid the chaos and suspicions of impropriety that can that can ensue if thousands of absentee ballots flow in after election day and potentially flip the results of an election. So what I wanted to show you here is Article One, uh, oops, sorry, Article One, Section Four, Clause One. The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof of the states. But the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. Now, that was this is obviously prior to the 17th Amendment. So the legislators were the choosing the senators back then and then. That was solely in the legislators. So the whole process for electing senators and representatives is to be designed wholly at the state level. There are some things that Congress can come in by the legislature of the states. Right. Not at, you know, not the governor, the courts or the mayor or the county commission, but by the legislature. Now, Congress can make a law to make or alter these regulations uh, on very specific circumstances, and that is when Congress is involved. But the the go-to is state level. If we remember when when we were talking about those cases in... Wisconsin, and we were talking about the case in Philadelphia with the whole ballots. Do we need a? Do we have a drive-through ballot? Can we count ballots three day that come in three days afterwards? And what has happened is these things are coming through the legislative process, and the courts on the state level are changing them. They're saying, no, 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 you can't. You have to do this. So what's happened is, is there's a legislative process in Wisconsin. There's a legislative process that says this is how the election takes place. Mm-hmm. Somebody came in and sued and said, well, this election process does not accommodate me. So you need to change that. So then the courts came in, second guessed the legislature in that process. And this is what Kavanaugh is talking about when the courts are changing the election process created by the legislature. So the Supreme Court, number one, is very hesitant to get involved in the the election regulation process of that's set by the state legislature. 
when they get involved is in the case that we saw recently when the courts are changing the legislative process. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, this is par for the course. Th this is this is emblematic of what's happening overall uh, in America, everywhere, on, on every front. Mm -hmm. We have practically abandoned the legislative process. We, we have traded the legislature with its deliberative process mm -hmm. for the immediate ad hoc decisions of courts and executives on various levels. We, you have governors um, issuing decrees, right? Essentially right. declaring what is and isn't the law, creating law out of whole cloth, uh, changing existing law on a whim. Um, and, and you could say the same thing for county commissioners, mayors, um, I mean, on and on, judges, courts. Right. So where is the legislature? It's the same thing. In, it was. It's the same issue during the COVID. So all of these so-called crises that are happening, each of you name mm -hmm. whatever it is, COVID, riots, whatever. It doesn't matter. You, stick in the name. Every single crisis follows the very same process, carries out the very same attack and that is an an erasure of the legislative process so we're, so we're moving well, it's, it's further and further and further into uh as as our friend bernie thompson likes to say away from the rule of law toward the law of rulers the fundamental thing that's violated here is is separation of powers and it's being violated on many levels and it's it's precipitated by the legislative branch to begin with, right? Because what you have is the legislative legislators initially creating these legislations to give power to the governor, right? So you have every state now has an emergency powers act in which they bestow upon a governor a lawmaking capacity, which is is reciprocally a violation of powers because a separation of powers because number one yeah. the legislative branch does not have the authority to expand or alter or reduce the power of the governor outside the amendment of the constitution so i wonder people don't the think legislature about legislature has no authority to give it away and the executive has no authority to wield it right exactly so. but if you would look at it, it people don't think about people don't think deeply about things anymore so we want you know people say well the governor has to have this power well if the governor has to have this power then you have to amend the constitution to do it if you say that the legislature can give power to the to the governor beyond its constitutional delegation then you also have to agree that the legislature should have the same authority to take away power from the governor you, without without amendment to the Constitution. By so doing, what would stop the legislature from saying, OK, governor, you have no power at all. Mm -hmm. But by doing that, you you've nullified the very basis of government. You've nullified yes. separation of powers. You've nullified the Constitution of the state, Constitution of the United States. So, I mean, you're you're openly declaring by by the mode of operation of mm -hmm. of our governments for the last year, they're openly declaring that 
there essentially is no government process, right? We've that, that, that there is no state constitution. State constitutions are null and void. The Constitution of the United States are null and void. So we are, in practical terms, operating as if there are no constitutions. Well, if that is the case, that's what you're demonstrating. Then upon what basis do you have to charge anybody with any crime whatsoever and enforce mm -hmm. any law because you are in practice declaring that the entire framework of government itself is non-existent, non-functional, well, you defunct. The, the framework becomes a, a banana republic in, it is. In, it's which, in which the government, government then whichever branch at the time wants, because at this point in time, we have legislatures still creating laws. We have gov we have executives creating laws and we have judiciary creating laws. So you have three branches of lawmakers when there's only supposed to be one. And within that, then you have uh, people who are creating law outside this and law, the lawmaking process, which is supposed to secure the rights of the people has actually become the mechanism to destroy their rights, because when you allow any branch of government, and I say any at all, to do something they've not been delegated the authority to do, then what you are establishing by doctrine is that the government, that the branches themselves are the authors of their own power. You are establishing by doctrine then, by legal doctrine, that the government itself is the sole authority for its own authority, which means that you are operating by doctrine with no constitution at all. So the legislature is above the constitution. The judiciary is above the constitution. The executive is above the constitution. And then you must admit by doctrine that there is no constitution. And when you do that, then you forget why we had one in the first place. The reason we have a written constitution is to prevent the very thing that we're seeing right now. Because you see, the written constitution is there to prevent people from doing things they're not supposed to be doing. Well, and the constitution is, I mean, that is the, the essentially the contract of government. It creates and defines the government. So if, if you're, if, if these people are saying by their actions that, well, there essentially is no constitution. Then there is no government. There is no legitimate basis for any of any function, any governmental function to be taking place. So we we are living absolutely in a banana republic, absolute lawlessness. It's it's mind boggling to me. I mean, 1840s, hundred over a century, century and a half ago, right here, Bastiat described all of this. Yeah. How, how freaking dumb are we? Well, in reality, James Madison described it in 1792. James Madison's essay on property is nearly identical to that of Bastiat's The Law. So Bastiat read Madison, Bastiat read Locke, Bastiat read Trenchard and put all those things together. And that's that's where where we are. So the Constitution is not just simply a contract. It is the written consent of the people to the government. And remember, the Declaration of Independence says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. 
we have put the consent of the governed in writing in the form of constitutions. So our U.S. Constitution is what the people through their states consent to for the federal government. The state constitutions are what the people of the state consent to as the limits and law of their government. And yeah. so what you now have are ent governmental entities acting outside the consent of the people, which by definition is unjust government. Yeah, you can throw the count city and county charters in this because the thing is all of all of these uh, at, at every level municipal state federal i mean all of these things mirror one another right? the constitutions mm -hmm. the federal constitution the state constitutions the county charters the city car charters they they all have they every single one of them right uh, basically enjoin the government to to be a republican form of government with separation of powers and th this is this has been violated at every level of our government this year. And so the solution, the government's like, what's the solution? What's the solution? Well, number one, the solution is not a reaction. That's where we, why we're at where we are, is just simply emotionally reacting to what's happened. The solution has to come through education. It has to come through deliberate, educated response, not reaction, response to the lawless nature of government. It's not a reaction of, of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's not a reaction of uh, against all kind of government. It has to be a response of an educated people to get involved, to, to get off their chairs and from behind the keyboards and actually become involved. And I don't mean yeah. just voting involved. I mean, you have to run for office. You have to support people who have the right principles who run for office. You've got to know that people have the right principles, not just that they're nice people. That's 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 what we you know, I mean, that's that's something that we're totally lacking here. Sherry Barnett, JC, asks a question here in the chat room that um, I'm getting a lot of. So former Vice President Joe Biden indicated on Monday that he might be open to shifting Supreme Court justices to lower courts if elected president, noticed, noting that he hadn't made any judgment on the issue yet. Uh, can the president do this? This is not a delegated power of the president, just like packing the court. The, the president of the United States cannot alter how the judicial system works. They can't add more justices to the Supreme Court. They can't take justices away from the Supreme Court. They can't change how they function. That is a job of Congress. They're not authorized. No. He's not authorized. And so I said to. the I'm, Constitution does not authorize the president. Yeah, but I mean the word, the word can't. This is what we've yeah. been talking about the whole show. Uh, none, of, none of what they're doing is is authorized mm -hmm. so but it's hard to answer the question anymore of whether any individual politician can or can't uh, because apparently they're able to do many 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 things that are not authorized right so no he's not authorized to do that he doesn't have the authority to do that um but that would take a a congress and a people to stop that right right um jj jackson says clarence thomas doing the swearing in ceremony and not roberts uh barrett gets to choose right barrett gets to choose who 
uh, swears her in. So she obviously chose uh, Justice did, Thomas. Did not choose Roberts. And did not choose Roberts. She, uh, they tried to make much about some alleged animosity between her and, and, and Roberts, which she just, which you know how left is. But she, uh, Everything is drama she wrote with several, them, so. several opinions disagreeing with uh, things he, he said, which is, which is how she answered that. Right. right. It has nothing to do with Justice Roberts, but I, I wrote about his, his decisions, his views, mm -hmm. and, and she backed them up substantially. I disagree with what Roberts writes 90% of the time. So, I mean, but I don't want to punch him in the face or something, you yeah. know, he's just wrong. Not only is he just wrong, I believe he's willfully wrong. I believe he knows what he's doing. Thank you, Dragon's Talon, for your super chat today. Well, I think it goes back to, um, you know, you often quote, I think it's Samuel Adams uh, with, with the, the issue that it's knowledge and virtue, the mm -hmm. two things that are really the basis of a functioning peaceful right. government is, right. is knowledge and virtue. So uh, that uh, that's what's lacking. And I think virtue in particular, uh, when you talk about people not standing up, not engaging, and it seems to me you either have the virtue to take a stand and push back, or it'll happen in survival mode. Uh, which is what I often say that it, it is quite possible that it's going to take a a lot bigger calamity than what we have experienced and been experiencing so far for people to to stand up. The you look at what's going on in this virus thing. Many of this these sleepy people have perceived the virus as the enemy. <laughs> right. So you can't. Oh, we've had this big calamity. N not not to the extent that they recognize it's actually the government, mm -hmm. um, you know, from from whom you're under attack. So. It, it's going to I still think I don't think we're there. I still don't think we're there. So we're sort of plowing ahead, mm -hmm. trying to motivate people, trying to uh, trying to educate people. You're going to need either a, a great awakening or a great calamity that leads to a great awakening. That's what's going to have to happen. Yeah. Well, that's that's something that we're going to have to, but, but both of those things will require education, right? So the great awakening is, is a spiritual awakening, which comes through spiritual enlightenment and knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. The calamity will drive us into further decline unless the people are educated on the proper response. And that's well, why I wanted to just... have educated people to follow. So yes. when the calamity comes, you're not going to have a mass of people standing up leading. You're going to have a mass of people freaking out, demanding that something need to be needs to be done. So you have to have, there has to be a cadre of leaders Right. Who who have the virtue and knowledge necessary to lead uh, the the desperate panicking idiots. That's how uh, that's how the people are being manipulated and led now, because for mm. many, many, many decades, the not knowledgeable, virtuous people that we needed have withdrawn from this arena and we've left it to the lunatic left to lead. And the and the deep state globalist uh, 
right to lead. And so the constitutional people, the, the people of faith have been on the outside looking in of their of their own choosing, I might add. You know, JC, I've been involved with politicians this election term more than I have probably in the last 10 years. Um, I, I'm not going to make any comment about that at the moment, but I, I just I think that a lot of things would be different if we educated people in office the value of simply saying um, that's not my job, right? right. Yeah. The value of simply saying it's not my job. For example, a U.S. a, a U.S. Congresswoman in this this debate about abortion, right? Uh, is easily answered by saying, I am personally against abortion. I believe that uh, that all human life has a value and has a right. I believe that a baby is not a body part. However, as a U.S. representative, I also understand that there is no power delegated to the federal government to have an answer for this issue. That's what should be said. What what I, I think I'm I'm missing an answer for what issue uh, uh, through uh, for abortion. Abortion is not a federal issue. This is not a U.S. House of Representatives. We don't need U.S. House of Representatives writing laws to make abortion illegal or to legalize abortion. This is not a federal issue. You need the federal government to withdraw from this yes, issue so exactly. that the states can protect Well, but the federal government life. has, the, the U.S. legislator has made nothing, no laws about abortion to begin with. Right. The only thing that comes out of the federal government at this point is a Supreme Court opinion about a state case. Yeah. So a U.S. House rep should say we have no business in this issue. The federal government has no business in this issue. I am not where you find the answer to your questions. The answers to your questions need to be found at the state level. This is not a U.S. legislative issue. And we need U.S. House reps and senators who will draw that, who will speak that federal truth. Well, and you have to have state legislatures, state legislatures that recognize they don't work for the federal courts, right? Because you've had states, I think like Mississippi, Louisiana, or somebody pass, uh, pro pass life protecting laws mm -hmm. and then the supreme court say no no you can't have that law so you you have to have a state that says screw you you don't tell us what to do and again that's uh, we're sending out the sheriff right. to shut down these clinics right end of story and again that's at the local issue this is not something that your u.s house rep or your senator should have will have a say in so the the court issue the supreme court issue the federal court issue stops at the local level. We don't need federal legislation to be involved in all of this. So our U.S. House reps, our U.S. senators need to simply understand that sometimes uh, in, in the case of the way we're running today, the majority of the time, the answer to the issue is, well, the, the truth is 
we have not been delegated this power through the Fed, through the Constitution. So it really is not my job to do this. That's what we need. So that's what we need. And I don't think everybody understood what you said there. Okay, it's not the federal government's job to have a law for abortion or a law against abortion. If you want to handle abortion, it has to be on the state level. And the states are obligated to protect life. And the states are obligated to protect life. But that debate has to happen on the state level, not on the federal level. You can't. So we got, and we got into this reiterate because of a number one a federal judiciary wielding an authority it does not have mm -hmm. in in authorize in overruling the states right uh state laws uh and and you had states uh bowing to a federal judiciary mm-hmm who is not who who does not have the authority to rule over them. right so uh the first amendment does not does not have the language of a right to life okay so you that's not in the first amendment the right to life is in the opening paragraph of the declaration of independence it's a natural right it's a natural right you have a natural right to life you have a natural right to liberty you have a natural right to control your property which is the sole purpose of any form of government right is to secure our rights the to which the natural rights of the individual right the period. natural rights of the individual that's what the declaration of independence says so uh, i am not telling you that it is okay for states to legalize abortion okay i'm telling you that the federal government has no authority in the issue period and that that people should work to secure life through their governments. And it is not an, a question to be answered. You, you should not be asking your your U.S. House rep, what are you going to do about abortion? Mm. You should not be asking your U.S. senator, what are you going to do about abortion? You've talked about another amendment. It was the Fifth Amendment. You, you've talked about another amendment in relation to protection of life. I can't remember. You, you talked about that before. But anyway, it's the the. the it's a common theme mm -hmm. of the states just succumbing to mm -hmm. federal, federal, unauthorized federal power. What we have to understand is that the Bill of Rights has to do with government actors. So in the Fifth Amendment, which would be uh, an amendment that addresses life, right? The one that says you cannot be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process. That would be government forced mandated abortions. That's that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people, uh, government saying it's OK to choose on your own as an individual to kit to end that life. Well, it's, and it's you government have to sanction murder. Yeah. If you have a law against murder. Yes. For, for one group of citizens, but not right. One group of people and not yeah, that's how murder for another group of people. Right. It's, right. Um, anyway. So I wanted to talk about uh, the uh, cases that will now be before the Supreme Court coming up this next session, which starts November 2nd, 
with the new Justice Barrett on there. Now, if you're a longtime listener, a long time, you know that I like to go through a website called SCOTUS Blog. And SCOTUS Blog is a little bit more legal wonky. It's a little bit more for people who study in the law, who, who are interested in law or are lawyers or judges themselves because it's written like a legal review, like a, a peer review. What are they called? A journal. Law journal. Law it's, journal. It's, it's not. It's not quite law journal, but it's not USA Today. Right. Sure. So in in our SCOTUS blog written by Amy Howe, uh, this time we hear about these cases. Now, the big one that everybody's talking about is the argument in the Affordable Care Act. And that's going to come this coming Wednesday. They go back to session on November 2nd, right? And so the Supreme Court on Wednesday uh, released the calendar for November argument session, which will include the latest challenge to the Affordable Care Act and a clash between religious liberty and LGBTQ rights. And uh, the justices will hear two consolidated, consolidated ACA cases, which ask whether the law's individual insurance mandate is unconstitutional without a tax penalty. And if so, whether the rest of the law can remain standing. Now, before we get into the rest of these cases, I want to remark once again and to remind everybody, there are people who are running around talking about Amy Coney Barrett having to to recuse herself from certain cases that are coming up. But no one is as of yet talking or have talked about the fact, F-A-C-T, fact, that Alina Kagan must recuse herself from the Affordable Care Act decisions because she was Solicitor General actually arguing in the courts in favor of the Affordable Care Act. So when you have a personal vested legal interest in a case, you have an ethical responsibility to recuse yourself. Now, as I heard a law professor from uh, Georgetown, uh, George Washington, is that right? No, what is it? I don't know. Is law school George Washington or George? There's both. Oh, okay. Never mind that. (laughs) Some George Law School George in Washington, Mason, Georgetown, George no. Washington University. Yeah, George Washington all University. Three. Say that it's primarily up left up to the justices to recuse themselves because of this judicial supremacy ideology that we have. And the fact, as unfortunately, Thomas Jefferson when, was right when he said the impeachment of justices was nothing more than a scarecrow. Uh, justices who do not recuse themselves on that on the Supreme Court level have no consequences. There are no consequences for that. So they run around and the talking heads run around all the time talking about how uh, now that Amy Coney Barrett has to recuse herself for this. And yet how many cases has has Alina Kagan sat in judgment of the very case in which she argued in favor as an as a solicitor general 
this is a clear cut violation of ethics and she should have been impeached at the first time. It's one of the problems overall. There are no consequences for judges. Yes. At any level. Right. It's really the most out of control branch of government uh, in this country. Right. Judicial branch at every level, whether it be county, district, appeals, federal. um, Doesn't matter. Just there is judges are not held accountable for their or very rarely. I mean, it's a. I mean, once in a blue moon, I remember the the thing in Indiana where uh, I think the legislature moved to impeach a judge almost never happens, almost never happens. Well, and that's the problem uh, that we have when someone is left to govern themselves. Yeah, there's no check and balance. And I have to go back to the anti-federalist paper of Brutus Six where uh, he was arguing that it's a, that yes, we need an independent judiciary, but the problem becomes uh, that we make them so independent that not even that, that only heaven can have a ta- you know, uh, any kind of judgment against them. So that they are pretty much untouchable at our governmental level. And yeah. so just once again, Every case with the Affordable Care Act should be minus. It shouldn't have. They were worried. We don't want the Affordable Care Act to go before eight. We have to get Amy Coney Barrett to be on the on the bench. So we have nine. Well, you shouldn't have had eight to begin with. You should have had seven. Now, with Amy Coney Barrett there, we should have eight again because Alina Kagan should, by ethical standards, recuse herself. Mm hmm. Now, there's several cases that they're going to be hearing, but uh, there's going to be a couple that are are important. And I just want to mention those before we go. Um, One is this Fulton v. City of Philadelphia, whether the city violates the First Amendment when it makes participation in the city's foster care system by a faith based agency contingent on actions and statements by the agency that conflict with the agency's religious beliefs and whether the court should reconsider its 1990 decision in Employment Division v. Smith holding that the government can enforce laws that burden religious beliefs or practices as long as the laws are neutral and or generally applicable. Now, what's going to be interesting about this particular case, just to give you a background, the state foster care agencies uh, are eliminating Christians from the foster care program because they're telling the Christians that if you're going to foster a child, you have to sign a document that says you will not take them to church. You will not teach them religion. You will not involve them in religious practices. And so um, that obviously eliminates many Christians from the foster program because we are not going to have parents who are fostering children, leaving them at home when they go to church and engage in their religious practices. The other second part of that has to do with the, uh, can the government enforce laws that burden religious beliefs or practices as long as they are neutral or generally applicable? Well, the 
uh, freedom protection acts that have been passed by many of the states actually say in state legislation that the rule of general applicability uh, is not a relevant standard. Mm. That if you burden a religious belief and it's not the least, uh, the, 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 the least, uh, oh, what is that word again? Uh, the least restrictive means possible. Then it doesn't matter if it's actually uh, generally applicable. Now, generally applicable means if I make a non-Christian do it, then I can make a Christian do it, right? So I'm not actually saying that a non it, this is only Christians can't take their children to church. We're also saying Jewish people can't take their children to church. We're taking telling Satanists they can't take their kids to church either. So they would call that a rule of general applicability. But the Freedom of Religion Restoration Acts passed by many of the states say that the rule of general applicability does not apply unless it's also the least restrictive means necessary. And so this is going to come about. Uh, this case could set a precedent for many things, JC. I mean, religious exemptions for vaccinations. Could This could set a precedent that would control religious exemptions for vaccinations. Many states have religious exemptions for vaccinations. And so if the Supreme Court decides that the states can create these laws that infringe on your religious beliefs as long as they infringe on everybody's, that they can be enforced, then this will be a precedent for those who are who are enslaved to the judicial man. I will say this very clearly, those who are enslaved to the judicial supremacy. Because we know, especially, you know, in our church, we don't care what the court says. It's our religious beliefs. It's our rights. It's our natural right. James Madison said the most important right that we have is our conscience. The most valuable property that we have is the property of conscience. And so this case, Fulton v. City of Philadelphia, could really, really have an impact on um, many, many cases at the state level. Good stuff. So these are the kind of things that we need to look at. These are the these are upcoming on the Supreme Court in the next week. And remember, this is this shouldn't be the docket for the Supreme Court should not be as important as it as it is. Right. The docket for the Supreme Court should be important as far as educating ourselves on where our government is. It ought to be important to us on ensuring that our state and local courts are following the proper rule of constitution, proper rule of state constitution, proper rule of federal constitution. But these U.S. Constitution Supreme Court issues have become so important because we have transformed America into an oligarchy, yeah, an indeed. oligarchy of judiciary. It is majority of five, basically. So five people rule over America. Five people. I do want to. I do want to not, not sort of. Go change your vote. 
yeah, go change your vote. <laughs> I don't want to to nitpick, but there's a lot of questions about this term democratic republic instead of constitutional republic. That's still a thing. It's yeah. Well, apparently Amy Coney Barrett called us a democratic republic. Small D, meaning we vote. I I, I don't know, but let's I want to. I want to break this down as simple as I possibly can to help us understand why it's important that we are a constitutional republic. Because these two words, this is a compound proper noun, constitutional republic. It is a compound proper noun that specifically describes how our government derives its power and how our government uses its power. Okay. So, A constitutional republic is a government whose power and consent to power comes from a written constitution. A Democrat, democratic republic would be a government whose power comes through the popular vote of the people. We are not a popular vote of the people, people. We are a government, both on the state and local level, whose power comes from the consent through a written constitutional constitution. We are a republic, not a democracy, because our laws are made through representation, not through popular vote. So, yes, we elect our representatives. We do not appoint representatives. Our representatives are not born in aristocracy. We elect our representatives, but that's where the democratic process ends. Government derives its power from a constitution that is written and laws are created through equal representation through a representative process, which makes us a republic. There are many kinds of republics throughout history. There is only one constitutional republic. Okay, so. We need to make sure that we understand why that's important. Somebody will simply say it's semantics. Somebody will simply say it doesn't matter. But the reality is words matter. And the whole reason that we have devolved into this. Look, I don't want to harp on this a lot. But the whole reason that we have this whole national popular vote mess is because we refuse to specifically identify who we are. And it doesn't take any more syllables, any more breath, any more brain cells to say constitutional republic than it does to say Democrat republic. So is it lazy speak or why is she saying that? I don't I, I can't tell you why she's saying that. I don't know why she's saying that. I think they I think it's loose language that loose. Uh, yes. People use that simply to indicate that we vote. Right. The people we, we're in a system where people vote. Right. People make the decisions. That That's what. They seem to be using that term loosely. Right. Little D democracy in that sense. Uh, but as you say, it's not it's not. Accurately descriptive. Right. Of our system. She should say representative. Right. Because what, what they're trying to say is representative, meaning. But that's what a republic is. Right. That's what a republic is. Yeah. A republic is a government where laws are made through representation, not through popular vote. A republic guards the minority from majority tyranny. Yeah. And that's what it's for. The Constitution part of it tells us 
what kind of republic we are. We are not a, an aristocracy, an aristocratical republic. We are not a democratic republic. We are a constitutional republic where government gets its power from the written consent in a constitution. Yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know, it's one of those sort of alarms, alarm bells. I think you've talked about this many, 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 many times of the, you know, the sort of the leaven in the law schools. Right. You almost can't come out of there without some of that affecting you. Right. And she's she's been in there a long, long time. Oh, well, she's yeah. And 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 she's she's a scholar. She's not just simply a judge. She's a scholar of law. If you yeah. don't if you didn't see the 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 uh, hearings where I, she knew cases like yeah. that. So she is I a scholar love, of law. You would love for whoever is whoever she's speaking to, whoever's interviewing or asking the question, you would love to for them to pause and say, uh, Judge, can you define that term yes. democratic? What what do you mean by that? But again, that's what I, I would love to hear in all these instances where that's said. But this is where, and I, I hate to get into the whole you know conspiracy thing, but this is where the Enemies of America want to lead the people to a democracy of popular majority vote mm -hmm. because popular majority vote mob rule is emotionally manipulative. You know, yeah. you can you can easily manipulate a mob. Look at us. My goodness. The whole world put on stinking masks for a flu. Our governor in the state of Florida said no more mask mandates. We're not going to be putting anybody in jail. We're not going to be enforcing these mask mandates anywhere in the state. And ev people are still wearing them everywhere. Well, not to put you on the spot, but I mean, you you still have kind of a wait and see attitude about Barrett. Right. I mean, there was some there were some things in her opinions that mm -hmm. were I don't know what what the word would be troubling um concerning concerning mm -hmm. so yeah I, I think you've said yes yeah, she'll she'll be overall better than ginsburg yeah. but if you're looking for a straight down the line constitutional justice that remains to be seen so far gorsuch is the top bid for constitutionalists that we have mm -hmm. kavanaugh in my humble opinion is below alito and Alito holds is above Kavanaugh simply because Alito has now started following Gorsuch, and Alito is the is is the silent guy in there. Now Thomas, Thomas comes in third just simply because Thomas has the tendency to be a police power statist. Mm -hmm. That's where his pet peeve is. He goes there, right? Roberts, Sotomayor, worthless, uh, Breyer. Kagan, they're all worthless. They're worthless. They have they have no loyalty to the Constitution whatsoever. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I can't make judgments about. I can't make judgments about um, about her yet. We got to see what she does on the Supreme Court. Somebody wants Mac for president. Vote for Mac. He's back here snoring. I know. I heard that back there. Was that him snoring? Yeah. <laughs> so, that's how concerned he is about it. Yeah, so you're absolutely right. We're the, I, you know, the jury is out on Barrett. We'll have to wait and see what she go, how she does. But I've never made an opinion right off the bat of any of them. I always give them the benefit of the doubt. Chris Ann is the the ever forever optimist. So, 
I want to give people the opportunity. See, the Bible teaches me that I am to judge people by their fruits, not by their political party affiliations and not by the labels in which they label themselves. So you're going to have to produce some fruit. And well, that's and did, what I'm going to do. You did a show talking about all the potential nominees. And, you know, she had an issue with qualified immunity, mm-hmm. super precedent. I think we got a little more insight into the super precedent issue as she was speaking. Um, I think it's a little it was a little less less concerning to me, still concerning, but mm-hmm. she sounded less extreme on precedent than what her statements had previously indicated. Right. You kind of got this sense of this sort of graduated mm-hmm. level of precedent. So she she made I thought she made clear, at least in certain areas, that um if something needs to be overturned, it'll be overturned. Man, I sure hope so, guys. I really do. Um, but again. But certain things won't. Certain things yeah, won't. Certain things will not. She's still married to precedent. And yeah. every uh, here, talk about fruits. Every opinion that I have disagreed with so far with Gorsuch has been because he stuck with precedent. Now, Gorsuch, by the way, has surprised me with the whole precedent thing because he has actually come out and challenged precedent. He has actually come out and said in Fourth Amendment issues, uh, several Fourth Amendment issues now, we ought and even a religious liberty issue. We ought not be following this precedent. And he has had beautiful dissents. Uh, Those of you who are any. Uh, judicial, you know, judicial wonky kind of people, those of you who are judicial nerds, you'll remember that one of the best written, uh, best writers on the Supreme Court was Rehnquist. Rehnquist wrote amazing opinions. He wrote down at, you know, he didn't try to write over everybody's head. He put it down so everybody could do it. He was witty. He was brilliant in his, in his speech. Uh, Gorsuch, I believe, is better than Rehnquist. In writing, Clarence Tom- Clarence Thomas, when in those areas where he aligns with the Constitution well, is yes. also a very very good writer. Has great depth, mm-hmm. uh, great depth of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it's a police state, police power issue, you you can actually see the difference in his writings. So it, it lacks depth. Like mm-hmm. it's it's just sort of a gut. Like this is where he wants to be, so he writes less. Uh, and with less depth, you know, right, it's just, right. just the, whatever, whatever, whatever extra powers, any government, uh, agency or official or whatever wants, wants to have to keep you safe. Then he'll go out of his way to, Hey JC, you want to show everybody your jacket? Uh, sure. This is the new jacket at godgunsliberty.com. Yep. Hold on. You don't have to look back at it. I'll make sure there you go. And the new jacket at GodGunsLiberty.com. It's pretty awesome. It's got a nice zipper. It's very classy. It's a bomber knitted, jacket. It's a knitted, knitted bomber jacket. Yeah. Some of them are leather, but it's a knitted one. So, guys, uh, just please, 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 please share. Help us share right now. If you haven't shared, do it now. If you haven't given us a thumbs up, I know Twitch doesn't have a thumbs up, but if you're on Facebook, if you're on uh, YouTube, then give us a thumbs up, guys. Help us out with that and help us overcome the censorship. I am watching this censorship happen right before my eyes. I get notifications when you guys actually like my Facebook page. And as I'm getting 200 new likes a day, JC. No movement. Uh Uh-uh. Down movement. Goes down. 
<laughs> my likes go down. So right. I am not listening to this. I believe a wise woman told me that what what they're trying to do is put out false information to discourage us from actually posting. I will not be discouraged because I'm not here for 5,000. I'm here for one. I'm looking for James Otis Jr. I'm looking for Mercy Otis Warren. I'm looking for that person out there who wants to be the catalyst for the restoration of principle in America. And I believe it might be you. And so we will be here just like, no, I need to buy likes like Hillary. No, uh, JC, that's funny. Kansas Fester. She doesn't need any anymore. Um, I am not even allowed to buy likes. Mm. Facebook has banned me from buying likes. I never bought them to begin with, but I am on a list on Facebook that I'm not allowed to promote any of my posts. I'm not to, allowed to create any type of advertisement. I'm not allowed to engage in any monetary activity on, on Facebook, whatever. You like Pence, he's so likable that insects just show up and want to live on his head. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. <laughs> so likable. Awesome. All right, guys. Uh, Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. You, you want to tell me about your hat? The GodGunsLiberty.com. It Check says it ChrisAnhall.com on it. Get your shirt, hat, coat, jacket, long sleeve shirt, short sleeve shirt. It says join or die. Join or die. God Did bless. you notice that doesn't mean we're going to go around shooting people? It means that you will die without liberty if you don't join the liberty movement. That's Correct. what that means. All right, guys. Remember, hit that thumbs up. Hit that share. And go spread liberty. We need you doing that. God bless.